Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey everyone, this is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to uh, The Wealth Standard Radio. This is episode number 128. And we are neck deep, well, not quite yet, but I think once Friday rolls around and Black Friday is over with, we'll be neck deep in the holidays. But I wanted to wish everybody a, a happy a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving and the holidays, uh, we I just did a, a webinar last week about how to turn your holidays into an investment. And uh, and it, it came out pretty well. It was one of those impromptu, impulsive type of webinars, but uh, there was some, some cool points that I, that I came up with. And uh, we also have a little resource guide as well so that you can make the most financially out of your holidays. So go check that out on our resource page at Paradigm Life. Dot net and also I guess uh, another point to make is the uh, the radio program or the podcast we had a couple of weeks ago with Noah and uh, that was actually uh, a very popular podcast uh, speaking of some of Noah who's one of our advisors here uh, some of his challenges and and again the holidays is about perspective it's about you know what uh, what we're able to celebrate as far as our lives being around family um, celebrating what we're thankful for but I do wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving this week all right so uh, we have a really cool guest today, and, and I, I actually feel really fortunate to have this uh, this individual on, and I consider him a, a, a mentor of, of sorts. He is he's just all over the place, and, and listening to him, he has uh, just a, such a depth of knowledge and perspective about uh, not just things financially, but just on, on life in general, which oftentimes it comes full circle to the financial side of things. And uh, it really is a, you know, it's it's awesome what he puts out there, the people that he interviews and the different podcasts they have. I, I, I was counting on his website. He has uh, a dozen and a half podcasts. Shane, what do you, what would you think about having to produce a dozen and a half podcasts? <laughs> that's a, that's quite the feat, but, uh, but this guy is all over the place. His name is Jason Hartman and I uh, re- had a really, uh, really cool interview with him, but, uh, very knowledgeable, has some amazing content that he puts out there. And, you know, this is the best part of, uh, being able to host a, a, a podcast is those that you, uh, you know, you read their books and you listen to their their stuff, and uh, you consider them in, in a sense mentors, and you get to actually uh, interview them and ask them ask them questions. And so it was really a really an awesome opportunity to have Jason uh, Jason on the podcast. And I and I'm hopeful that uh, he'll come back on next year because there are definitely quite a bit of things that we can uh, we can talk about. And we discovered that because we were at a, a, a real estate event together uh, this past summer, and uh, and you know the, the conversation that we had was was incredibly insightful and uh, very inspiring as well. And then we talked a little bit about that on, uh, on this interview. And uh, so that's, that's, that's who our guest is today. We'll cut to him in, uh, in just a second. But uh, before that, uh, if, you, if, you're, if you've been listening for a little while or listening for a long while, uh, please help us out and go to uh, uh, iTunes and uh, give, us a, uh, give us a ranking, give us a, a testimonial that, that definitely helps with uh, getting the word out there. Uh, also, if you are not on our newsletter, we are putting out tons of different things out there. And we have some really cool plans for 2016. So if you're not on our newsletter, it's free. Just go onto our website and uh, you, can, uh, you can find it there. And uh, I think that is it. So we will go ahead and cut to uh, cut to the interview with Jason Hartman. It uh, it's really it really is an honor today to to have on the show uh, Jason Jason Hartman. Uh, it would probably take up the whole show just listing off how many podcasts he has. But the uh, the most popular one is the the Creating Wealth podcast, uh, and he has uh, been in in real estate and uh, for for quite a long time and in many different capacities, but. 
Jason and I uh, have been fortunate enough to meet each other in the last couple of years and, and really have a, a succinct and a sense philosophy about uh, many things. And uh, this past, what was it, Jason? It was in uh, the uh, summer. When we what were are you talking Dallas? about, Dallas? When yeah, we were in Dallas. Dallas, that conference in Dallas. Yeah, we were there maybe three, four months ago, I guess. Yeah, we... and, I, and there it's kind of, you know, the having a conversation with you and the things that we talked about. I mean, you, I, you're very, you know, one of the most well-read people I know and knowledgeable people I know. And it really, you know, really helped with discussing and asking questions and really getting into topics that most people would, you know, really... F- not necessarily frowned upon, but they would have no idea where to, you know, even take take a conversation, especially yeah. with some of the stuff that we were talking about. Well, uh, thank but- you. I appreciate it. I do a lot of interviews, so you know, there was a, a quote, and I forgive me, I don't know who it's by. It's either like I want to say Winston Churchill or Benjamin Franklin or something. And you know, the only reason I can do all this or know all this is because I stand on the shoulders of all these greats, and that's really mine too, because I just interview so many of them on my shows. We've got about three thousand interviews out now and uh, I've just interviewed so many thought leaders on stuff it's it's just been great and that's what's cool about podcasting is that you know it's it really is a very easy way to communicate with people and have interviews and you know everybody likes to be on a radio show but now it's so easy to to do uh, because of Skype or go to meeting or even phone calls uh, but you know you've obviously taken that to a very a very high level with who you've been able to to interact with. But I guess, you know, one of the things that I, I put as a question, Jason, is is maybe like how would you explain what you do? So if somebody, you know, you're meeting somebody for the first time, like how, what, what do you usually say when they ask you, you know, what do you do for a living? I would say I teach people how to invest in real estate. I help them do it. Um, I provide ongoing support for real estate investors. That's one company. That's my real estate investing company. And then I have a podcast network that is another company. Uh, and um, uh, then I, you know, personally invest in real estate and, you know, real estate related assets too, uh, hard money and so forth. So th- those are the main things I do. Cool. But so that's so when somebody asks you what you do, like you're on the street or on a bus or, or in Uber or whatever, you. That, that's the that's the response you typically give. Yeah, that's that's the uh, elevator uh, speech, the if elevator you will. Speech. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that and that's and that's the thing is looking you know looking at what you've done with real estate. I mean, real estate obviously spans. Uh, it's a huge industry. I mean, everything in a sense makes up uh, or is you know comprised of real estate or happens on on real estate. So your industry obviously. Um, you know, it it, uh, it covers so many different. My, my theory, Pat, is is that the real estate industry and all its facets is the world's largest industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bigger than energy, even. You know, because under like the preamble for the National Association of Realtors, which is an organization I'm not particularly impressed with <laughs> or anything, but I just want to say, you know, their preamble is under all is land. Hmm. And that's really true. Even in today's high tech world, you know, where we're talking bits and bytes and, uh, you know, megabytes and gigabytes too. And, you know, it's still, at the end of the day, it's still all about real estate. Yeah, man. It, all know? of that happens on property. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Well, it was, I think it was, it was John Locke. I mean, obviously where the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness came from was life, liberty and the pursuit of property. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really it was just, you know, referring to the human mind and his, the human's ability to essentially take property and create private property out of it, which is essentially, you know, taking material, taking goods, taking services, taking, you know, real, real property uh, and using your money and figuring out a way to make it make it profitable. And that's, you know, he, he really started that trend as far as private property is concerned. But today, you know, in the United States, it's, 
you know, look at what happens and look at look at what's been able to be innovated uh, because because of real estate, because of property, and you know, and, and it continues it continues to be that way. And thankfully, you know, we still have the ability to to buy property, even though you know, in a sense, it's kind of government owned because if you don't pay your taxes, you have to get kicked off. But in a sense, you know, just the the fact that real estate is able to be owned by a private individual uh, in the United States has really created a, a, a huge, uh, you know, a huge uh, wave of technology and innovation and, and so forth. Um, and that's, you know, so real estate right now as you're, I mean, obviously you're very, not obviously, but you you really look at the, the single family residence or residential type of units as your, you know, your main tool to, to help your followers or investors, um, you know, create, create uh, financial freedom, correct? Yeah, no question about it. I think income property is the most historically proven asset class in the entire world. And uh, it is just such a reliable asset class. It's so accessible for, you know, middle and upper middle class investors. Obviously, the wealthy invest in real estate like crazy. But, you know, the, the, the little guy can do it. I mean, you know, when I, when I started, I bought my first rental property when I was 20 years old. And um, it's a very accessible form of investment. And it's also... I believe the most historically proven asset class in the world because that it's it's a multi-dimensional asset class. You know, most assets out there are, you know, one or maybe two dimensions, but this one is multi-dimensional. You know, it's uh, everything else is buy low, sell high, maybe get some dividends, you know, in the meantime, but uh, income property has so many dimensions to it. That's what makes it so wonderful. And you like it, to, I mean, I, I know that we can probably spend the entire podcast on this topic but you know look looking at property one of the one of the you know not i guess main features but a feature that is really that really doesn't exist anywhere else is the ability to leverage and especially these days when money is essentially free in a sense uh it's it even makes real estate even more more attractive but yeah no question about it and let's clarify for your listeners what you mean by money being free you know um there's a we, we could, one could argue that interest rates are so low that we're literally in a world of negative interest rates versus real inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, and inflation is relatively tame too, uh, but you know, it's never as low as the government tells you it is. Yep. Um, it's always higher than the official stats. And so if you take the official numbers and you look at the Fed's target of like 2 to 3% inflation based on, uh, you know, they, they largely use a concept called the Phillips curve to guide this, which is the, uh, the relationship between unemployment rates and inflation. And of course, unemployment rate is totally manipulated too. Mm-hmm. Everything's manipulated. Let's just <laughs> come to that <laughs> realization. Lies, lies, and damn. You have lies, lies, and damn lies, and then yeah. statistics, right? That's, that's, the that's, that's, that's a good one, yeah, and then you have a book actually by that title, How to Lie with Statistics. It's a famous book that, by the way, I have not completely read, but I did buy it and you know kind of skim through it a little bit. It's an old book, but um, but yeah, so you know, we're in an environment where you could argue that you're either borrowing for free or literally getting paid to borrow. So, you know, where if you when you have negative interest rates, you're actually getting paid to borrow the money. But with income property, one of the other dimensions to it, besides the leverage that you you alluded to earlier, is that, you know, I I hate debt when I have to pay it. Mm -hmm. But when I can outsource my debt to somebody else and and I don't have to pay my own debts, 
That's a wonderful thing. You know, everybody in business would say, well, be more productive. You need to delegate more. Mm -hmm. Well, how about delegating your debts? <laughs> and, and, and that's what real estate, or not really real estate, but I want to distinguish income property mm -hmm. investors do. They delegate or outsource the repayment of their debts to people called tenants or renters. And uh, that is another beautiful dimension to the asset class. And you've seen, I mean, look, looking at your, your maybe average in, investor or average listener that is, you know, purchasing three, four, you know, ha half a dozen of these, of these homes, you've been able to- Or, to, or maybe 70 of them. Yeah, and I know, know you have those higher, the ones right. that are buying a, a, a large amount, but even the smaller amount, the individuals that are doing that, these are not necessarily sophisticated investors that have, you know, business degrees or finance degrees, but these are, you know, individuals that, you know, learn some basic, the basic tenets of real estate and some basic principles, and they've been able to be moderately successful, correct? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So another thing too, I mean, obviously with- Oh, hopefully not moderately successful, though, hopefully very successful. And that's, a, it's interesting. I mean, you even look at owning, you know, you, you go the traditional route in relation to financial planning. You put aside X, X percentage of your income and it grows at- you know, whatever Wall Street tells you it grows at, and then, you know, you have a, an accumulated balance when you hit retirement, and then that lasts you for however many years. But you look at, you know, the, the general, the typical calculations that are done by financial planners and, and traditional financial professionals, and then you kind of a, a match that up with like one or two properties, and the one or two properties like s smoke it, even with very aggressive oh, yeah. interest rates. And that's why I alluded to, you know, a few properties, because really, if you were to, you know, analyze and compare uh, against one another, you know, the traditional route as far as finance and then just a general income property, uh, income property strategy, it's, 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 it's dumbfounding to look at just where numbers, where numbers wind up with an income property relative to what they would have done in, in markets and, and oh, financial it's, plans. It's, it's, Pat, it's not even a contest. No, I mean, not. you know, you, you go to these financial advisors and they'll, you know, they'll print out this big report with these pretty pie charts with different colors on them and they all follow modern portfolio theory. Yep. And, you know, we all intuitively know this is true, what, what I'm about to say, you know, because we all have examples of real life people that we all know. You know, I, I've had thousands and thousands of people come through my seminars over the years. And I always ask this question. I always say, and, and you know, it, it, admittedly, it's subject to one's own perception and interpretation of mm -hmm. what a little bit of money and a lot of money is, right? But I just ask it this way. I ask them to interpret that themselves. And I say, you know, how many of you in the room know somebody who started with very little money and created a lot of wealth with income property investments. And every hand in the room goes up. Everybody knows people that have done that, right? They know them personally. They're not someone they see on TV. They're not, you know, they're not Warren Buffett. They're just people we all actually know. We know the story is for real, right? And then I, the second follow-on question I ask is, you know, how many of you know someone who started with very little money and created a lot of wealth for themselves in the stock market? And, and no hands go up. And, and occasionally 
there's the rare either heckler or outlier, and the, and the hand goes up, and I say, okay, how'd they do it? Please share with us. We all want to know. And, uh, and they always say something like, well, you know, I got this friend, and he started a business, and, and then he, he went public, and he made yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. But that's not that's an investor. That's traditional investing yeah. strategy. <laughs> I know. It's just so funny that people even make that comparison. So that's not an investor. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a business. That's an entrepreneur, you know, who just takes their company public. And then they become an insider. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and uh, being an insider is a great thing, but I'm not talking about doing that. I'm talking about the much more passive approach of of being an investor, a, a you know someone who is not actively participating in the deal. Or, you know, and they got to be a little bit active, but you know, not overall. Right? So, and I, you know, we didn't really prepare much for the for this podcast, but you know, we what, what's that one Michael Lewis book that came out during during the crash? They're making the, a movie the big out of it. short. Yeah, yeah. So you you have those kind of movies that are coming out. You have in, Inside Job. You have you know a lot of the doc, you popular popular media that's coming out that's explaining everything that's going on, but yet. You know, people still continue to do the exact same thing they were doing, you know, pre, pre-crash. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it's definitely, you know, Wall Street is losing its luster for sure. And, um, you why do know. You think, why do you think it's losing its luster? Well, I think the, the small investor, meaning the, you know, middle, upper middle class, small compared to the institution is what mm-hmm. I'm referring to. Okay. Um, you know, they've kind of figured it out, you know, that the jig is up, that it is an insider's game. And, uh, what, you know, when you look at, and I don't have any exact surveys on this, I've just, you know, uh, kind of anecdotally heard this and read a little bit about it here and there. Uh, but, you know, the, the stock market is largely funded by institutional investors now, not individual investors anymore. The individual investors have shied away uh, considerably from what I understand. And, um, and so, you know, that's definitely part of it. But if you think of, you know, for the, the ones that are still in the game, right, you know, Wall Street has got this giant marketing machine. It's got this huge thing. It's got so many outlets for its crappy to mediocre products. You know, it's got the Wall Street Journal, Investor's Business Daily, Money Magazine, Magazine. Fortune Magazine, Forbes. You know, all of these things are are basically, you know, things that uh, regular people read that are promoting the stock market. Mm -hmm. It's got CNBC, Bloomberg, and Fox Business, and all of these sources. I mean, you know, it's when, when you see all of these commercials, you know, when anybody there talks about being an investor, it's always a TD Ameritrade or an Ameriprise or Merrill Lynch commercial. It's not a commercial of how to invest in real estate. I mean, it's amazing to me that real estate is the best product right? But it has the worst sales force. It is a terrible sales force. Mm-hmm. Yet Wall Street is a, a mediocre product at best. At best. I was and, and it has a fantastic sales force. True. I mean, you know, Wall Street people, you know, they wear nice suits. Uh, they, they went to good schools. They're sophisticated people. But they're not getting rich from the plan they're recommending to their clients. No. I mean, I, Patrick, I can't tell you the number of times I've sat across the table from some guy at Merrill Lynch or one of these financial firms wearing a nice suit, went to a great school, you know, very educated, selling me stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Yet, 
I'm always the one that has way more money than he does. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not following his own plan. Did you see, you did know? you, have you seen that, the, the CFP, the certified financial planner designation commercial that they, they've had recently? I where, have not seen that, yes, but I'm, have, I'm certainly this, familiar with the designation. Yes. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, one of the more popular designations and people associate, you know, credibility and expertise with that, which is, you know, not, not necessarily the case. But anyway, this commercial has this, this guy that's sitting at, you know, a really nice, you know, Wall Street firm table. He's very well dressed, very well groomed, and he's, you know, spouting out this term and that term and this balance and this percentage. And, and then after, you know, that interview, the couple that was being, you know, essentially counseled on their finances is asked, you know, in, in an interview, kind of an after the fact deal, um, like, wh what do you think of this person? Do you find him credible or trustworthy? And they're like, yes, you know, he's, he knows what he's doing and he's, you know, he's and then the guy is, you know, some, he's a, he's a stand up com uh, comedian. <laughs> he's just posing, he's just posing as a financial, financial advisor. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, you know, that is the stereotype is that's, that, you know, there isn't, yeah. there isn't a lot of. There isn't any hardly financial education as far as investing is concerned, and so people so, tend to know, delegate, you know, their investing and, and onto somebody else, and they just, you know, look and kind of glance, and the first impression typically is what tells them what to do. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm glad you said that. That's the other thing. You know, if you really dig down and you try to talk to all of these CFPs and financial advisors out there, I mean, you just realize most of them are just really dumb. They just don't know much at all. They don't understand how inflation works. They don't understand monetary policy. They don't understand the dynamics of an investment. Uh, you know, it's just mind boggling. I remember one of my friends was, uh, you know, uh, studying for his CFP, his certified financial planner designation. And I, I said, his name's Scott. And I said, hey, you know, can I borrow your books and look at them, you know, now that you've taken the test and you're just waiting for your, your results to come back? Can I borrow your books? And so next day, you know, he, he used to work for me. And and um, uh, he, he brings in, you know, this stack of books and I borrow them and take them home. And there's almost nothing in there about income property. There's almost nothing about real estate. It's all REITs. All, the only real estate is, is, is real estate investment trusts. Real estate investment trusts, exactly. <laughs> and, the, and the only other real estate stuff in there is really about estate planning. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it, it's just mind-boggling to me. But then on the real estate side, let's bash real estate a little bit, okay? Because on that side of the table, you've got all these cheesy gurus out there and all these, you know, fly-by-night people and some of them really aren't fly-by-night, but their education is just as cheesy. Some of them are very famous and they're best-selling authors. And, uh, you know, you, you know, they want to enroll you in their $40,000 coaching program and, and they suck too. Or more. <laughs> you know, or, or more. <laughs> yeah, what, how much is it? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen like $75,000 packages, believe it or not. It's, it, and it's just, and people pay that. That's the other bizarre thing. It's, anyway. it's, they're just getting conned left and right. Folks, listeners, look, you can get your education pretty much for free nowadays. Just listen to some good podcasts. Listen to Pat's podcast. Listen to my podcast. It's free, okay? With $75,000, you know what you can buy? You can buy, you know, three or four properties, okay? Um, spend your money actually investing rather than, you know, investing in someone's coaching program that offers you some boiler room telephone operator uh, that, you know, hasn't invested in real estate themselves. And I've got to share a story, Pat, about that. It. 
I remember years ago, someone was trying to enroll me in one of these very famous, I'm not going to give the name, mm -hmm. but a very famous guru. We've all heard of this guy. He's huge, okay? And um, the, the, basically the telemarketer who is, is one of the coaches who's trying to sell me on the program, yeah. starting it, I think it started at like $12,000 and went up from there, mm -hmm. depending on how many modules I wanted, right? Uh, basically, I asked the question. I said, well, hey, you know, you know if you're going to be my coach or, or someone like you is going to be my coach, tell me about your experience as a real estate investor. And, uh, and the response was, well, look, even Tiger Woods has a coach. And, and Tiger Woods' coach is not as good as Tiger Woods. And, and so I share that story with someone, and they said, yeah, but Jason, at least Tiger Woods' coach has actually played golf. Okay? That's the distinction, you know? It's just unbelievable. And well, that's it, the thing. It makes this... me so sad because these people come to my seminars, you know, my little seminar that'll be $297 or some nominal fee, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they come to my seminar and they expect to be upsold to the $5,000 seminar next weekend and they never are because we don't have one of those. And then they, they come up to me by lunchtime and they say, do you realize I just spent $40,000 on this other guy's program, and I was in that program for six months, and I've learned more from you in three hours for this nominal fee than I learned in six months of being in that program. And, I, and, and that is just such a sad story. It breaks my heart, because they could have used that money to buy their first property. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the mentality. I mean, look at, look at what's been, I mean, we've been conditioned essentially to have other people take care of those type of things for us. And I think that's what people want to do. And, the, and they realize that, you know, if, if, uh, if, if they want to do it, they have to have it done for them or have someone at least leading them. And yeah. so I think in the end, it's, it's, it's the fact that, you know, I think one of the first steps is, is not even education. It's taking personal responsibility. And then once you do that, now education is so much more valuable. And then that, once you do that, is, property yeah. is dumb. You know, you don't, it, not to take anything away from it, but it's not a, it's not a difficult thing to, to it's, do. And it's I think certainly not rocket science. <laughs> it's not rocket uh, science. But you do have to learn a few things, you know, and, yeah. and that's true. But you know, I'll tell you, one one of the with what you just said, Patrick, is that's really important because it shows that that's why Wall Street is so successful. Because mm -hmm. look, you can go in, you can go to a free lunch, and the Ameriprise rep will pay for your lunch, okay? And you can go into their nice office with marble and chrome and glass and you know know, really beautiful office, and you can just simply write them a check, and they will supposedly take care of everything, right? But you, you've just relinquished con control of your financial future to somebody else. And as you know, one of the core teachings I have is what I call the 10 commandments of successful investing. And I always love to share number three. It's my most popular commandment, I think, number three. Three is a charm, and it goes like this. Thou shalt maintain control. Thou shalt maintain control. So we help people be direct investors so they actually control the asset themselves. They, they don't, look, when you relinquish control of your financial future to somebody else, when you relinquish control of your hard-earned money to somebody else, you leave yourself susceptible to three major problems. Number one, 
you might be investing with a crook, a criminal, okay? Even a legalized criminal in a way, and I'll get to that in a moment. But certainly there's no shortage of scandals on Wall Street, and there's no shortage of scandals in real estate when people invest in pooled funds, mm -hmm. when they, they invest in some LLC or limited partnership type of operation or, you know, a real estate investment trust like you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, you know, you, you just get ripped off because you've invested with a crook, okay? You know, Bernie Madoff, et cetera, right, who got his idea from the Social Security uh, system, <laughs> which I, I love that, by the way. I think the government should have given given him a break on his sentence because he said he got the idea from social security, security. and it's so accurate. It's a Ponzi scheme, right? I heard they, I heard they, yeah, this is totally off the side of that. I heard they returned like one, almost one and a half billion dollars this yeah. past weekend to the yeah. paid off relief, relief fund. So I saw that, but that's nothing in comparison to what to how much he had. Right? No, yeah. no kidding. But well, no, I think in, in the end it's, you know, I think Wall Street is, and, and I wouldn't, I, I hope that all of them are not in this camp of, of ripping people off. Because I, I know some financial advisors and I know, you know, how they how they think, and I don't think they're doing it intentionally, but there, great, are, but there are some. And in the end, but that's the scary thing. Is yeah, yeah. Okay, you, so don't have, you don't have the control. Let me make a clarification on that. See, in a Wall Street type investment, you have so many layers. Your financial advisor, the guy or the gal that you're sitting across the table from at Merrill Lynch or Ameriprise may be the most honest, decent human being on the face of the earth. But they, they don't, they're just, a, they're just the intake, okay? You know, then there's a fund manager who's on the take. Then there's the CEO of the company that you invest in and the board of directors and all the executives who are on the take, okay? So it's not... You know, it's, it's like I've interviewed all these people on my show, The Creating Wealth Show, and they, they talk about like, you know, how to make sure you pick a good financial advisor. But it's not the financial advisor, they're just the front door, yep. okay? There's way more to it than them behind the scenes, right? And so, just to finish up on commandment number three, thou shalt maintain control. So, you leave yourself susceptible to three major problems. Number one, you might be investing with a crook. Mm -hmm and you'll lose money because of their dishonesty. Mm -hmm. Number two, you might be investing with an idiot, and you'll lose money because of their stupidity. Mm -hmm. Number three, assuming they're honest and competent, and this means everybody in that food chain, everybody in that supply chain, okay? When it's Wall Street, that's a big food chain. That's a chain. huge supply okay, it's chain. giant, right? You give your money to the Merrill Lynch guy, but then he sends it to these fund people, fund managers, and they send it out to a bunch of companies, and all the companies have all their stuff going on. That's what's called a mutual fund, okay? Um, and, and so then, assuming they're honest and competent, they take a huge management fee off the top for managing the deal. Mm -hmm. And let me just share a little story with you about that, okay? So, um, from, this is from Lou Dobbs' great book, War on the Middle Class, Patrick. And uh, I read this book about 10 years ago. In chapter two of War on the Middle Class by Lou Dobbs, he talks about how uh, the stock market and the CEOs are just so out of sync with the shareholders, right? And so let me just read you a little excerpt from this. He says, cool. the standard rationalization for these astronomical salaries by CEOs their boards of directors and their consultants, in other words, all of their college buddies, okay, all of their friends at the country club, right, um, 
is that these CEOs are worth it because the companies they run benefit from their leadership. They bring great value to their shareholders. How then do they explain uh, the fact that over the past five years, the CEOs of AT&T, BellSouth, Hewlett-Packard, Home Depot, Lucent, Merck, Pfizer, Safeway, Time Warner, Verizon, and Walmart were paid an aggregate of $865 million in compensation. Almost a billion dollars, right? Well, their shareholders lost, in the same time period, $640 billion with a B. <laughs> Clearly, these CEOs were not being paid for delivering value to those who held stock in their companies. Now, let me read you one more excerpt here. Okay, a couple pages forward now. It says, and then there's Larry Ellison, the founder and CEO of Oracle. From 2000 to 2002, that's a mere two years, okay? Um, Larry's personal take from the company was, get this, I mean, you, I'm, you're sitting down, okay? And I hope I'm actually at a stand-up desk, but oh, okay, I might sit down okay. I, It looks like you're sitting down. I'm watching you on video. <laughs> Larry's personal take from the company was $781 million. In two years, one human being, Larry Ellison, took almost a billion dollars out of Oracle. Now, hey, that would be fine. I'm a capitalist. I, would, I love to see successful people. I have no problem with that. But when it's out of alignment with the investors, with the shareholders, then it's a problem. So at the same two years that Larry Ellison took almost a billion dollars out of the company, the shareholders lost 61% of the value of their investment. <laughs> Okay, so this is just a complete scam, and that's completely legal. There is nothing illegal about that, okay? It's, it's like I call Wall Street. It's the modern version of organized crime. Yeah. Well, there's, I need to send you a, there's a book I need to send you. And, and the guy, I love, I love the guy. He, this is his second, second book, but he, his book is called The Pirates of Manhattan. Oh, and, yeah, it sounds like a great title. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's great because it's, it, it's, it's a very kind of disorganized book, but it has, he probably researched to the nines as far as exactly what you just said. And what's interesting, what's really fascinating is that all of these, all of these executive, and it's not just Wall Street guys, you look at the corporate world, because the corporate and Wall Street are kind of tied at the hip, right? Because the corporate world, right, and right now we're seeing a ton of it based on a lot of share buyback and issuing of bonds at some of the lowest interest rates in history. I mean, you have a lot of that going on. I mean, most people have no clue what any of that means, but then you go to you know, what these executives and the hierarchy of these organizations are doing with their money and it's you know it, it's all it's all insurance based, but they're not doing anything right. Anything that their you know lower level employees do, anything that they recommend in their four hundred one k plans, yeah. they don't do any of that personally. So it's totally out of sync. You know, totally it's, 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 it's do what different. I say, not what I do. You know, yeah. And that's, that's another thing too. But you go, you know, and this has all all been exposed. And I think the the more the more there's communication, you know, whether it's Facebook or, or other yep. other outlets, the more communication we have, then the more they're going to get outed. But still, even the last couple of years, yep. you know, there's uh, there's several lawsuits that have occurred by financial institutions themselves, like in, internal lawsuits. Okay, they have not been made made very well known. One of them is Ameriprise. You, you mentioned Ameriprise. Ameriprise, the employees sued Ameriprise. For mm -hmm. their 401k, because right. of the, their because own of the fee structure. Yeah. So it's kind of like when that happens, 
But anyway, I mean, the, the point is, I mean, I know a lot of our listeners, you know, that they are agreeing with us. Some, you know, that are listening to us may, may not agree. Uh, but in the end, I mean, a lot of the disagreement is, is often, you know, it, it, what, you know, so what do you do? What, what do you do with this? What do you do here? And a lot of people associate, okay, well, if Wall Street's ripping me off, now I'm going to go to, you know, no load mutual funds, or I'm going to go to, you know, low that's, cost that's in, all the index same funds. Thing. And it's like, I mean, really? It's the same deal. It's the yeah. same thing. And it, yeah, there may not be front end loads or, or expense fees, but you still have to deal with the same rigmarole that, that, that Wall Street is. But anyway, I mean, in the end, I mean, I, I know that, you know, as I, you know, as I've stepped back, and really ask myself, like, what the, what am I, why do I read this? Why do I research this? What am I trying to, to, to pursue? And I think my first, you know, my first exposure was actually getting some of the securities licenses and financial planning designations and reading what, you know, the government wants you to do, what they want you to say and how to, how to balance this portfolio and what you should do for a young person versus an old. I mean, it, there is a, it's a, it's a huge kind of conglomerate of, of agenda because, you know, a lot of the, you know, the political, educational, uh, corporate world in Wall Street, I mean, they're all tied, they're all tied together and they all benefit from, from one another. But in the end, I don't see a ton of benefit for anybody else. And that's where, you know, there are other wealth building strategies, you know, re real estate's been a huge part for me. And that's why, you know, I, I love your show and a lot of our listeners love your show as well, because it's one of those things that has worked for so long. And yeah, you're going to have, you know, tenants that, you know, that leave in the middle of their lease and, you know, rip up a bathroom. I mean, I had a, I had a, a house, um, <laughs> the, 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 geez, the neighbor, the neighbor found our number and called us instead of the property manager. And there was 400 people in this like 2,500 square foot home having a party. And yeah, I mean, it was, you're going to have those experiences, but our property manager, you know, took care, took care of everything. But in the end, it's like, those are, those are assets you control, right? I'd rather, you know, this is me. I'd rather have 300, 400 people having a party in the house than losing 60% of your portfolio when the market crashes. Right. So in the end, I mean, obviously the, the idea of, of real estate, you know, you've seen it throughout, you know, individuals and your followers and those that have been purchasing property through your networks across the, the entire country, all sorts of demographics, all sorts, you know, ages, um, nationalities, and they've all been, all been successful with, or they've had, they've had success. So, so in the end, I mean, what, what would you, what would you say as, you know, as we're talking and those that are maybe hesitant about investing in real estate or even, you know, looking into it and becoming educated, what would you say to, to somebody like that? Okay, well, the first thing is, this is hardly perfect, okay? It, it, there will be bumps in the road, there are problems. I've never heard of that party one, though. That's a new one on me. Um, uh, but, uh, but whatever, uh, you know, that can happen, uh, I, I'm sure, too. And, um, uh, you know, it's not perfect, and you will feel the bumps in the road more because it's your asset. You know, you might own stock in a, in a big corporation, and there are all kinds of bumps in the road you don't even know about. You don't know that the CEO just got, you know, got uh, was sexually harassing people and got, got you know, the company sued. And uh, you don't know that they're backdating options. And you don't know that they're, they've uh, got an uh, unlawful termination.
termination suit going on, and they've got well, off balance uh, debt. Uh, 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 yeah, or, or, or special debt. purpose vehicles like Enron SPVs, or yep. all kinds of scams like that. Yep. Or you don't know that they're about to get sued for patent infringement, or you know, a zillion other things. I mean, there's a businesses are way more complex than real estate. I mean, they have so many moving parts, right? And uh, income property just has a few moving parts. But you're going to be a direct investor. You're going to be in control of them. Look, folks, you can't get very far in life unless you're willing to engage in your financial life. I mean, you're just never going to make a bunch of money by handing it over to somebody else. I mean, all of Bernie Madoff's investors thought that for a long, long time. In fact, my ex-girlfriends, uh, she's now married, her in-laws, her, her mother and father-in-law invested with Madoff and lost like $2 million. So, you know, like, I actually know of real people who this happened to. Um, Kevin Bacon uh, and, uh, and his wife, I think it's, he's married to Kira Knightley, right, I think? And um, yes, uh, yep. they, they lost everything with Bernie Madoff, except the home in which they lived and their, the money in their checking account. Wow. They, they got so, um, uh, I heard a news story about them when it was going on. You know, they got so enamored of his promise, and he was keeping it for a long time because it was fake, it was smoke and mirrors, of, you know, well, I can get you 9 to 12% consistently every year, right? And so they just kept doubling down, I guess. And, you know, that's what happened. Sad story. Why but. isn't Kevin Bacon? I love Kevin Bacon. I haven't yeah. seen him in many movies lately. I, <laughs> oh, no, he's, he's still doing movies. I know and I'm Nicholas sure Cage, like, lost his, you know, lost a ton as well. Oh, with Madoff. Not, not, yeah, I think I heard about that too, yeah. But he's all, he's in, he's in, anyway. So it, but, yeah, it, it's, and really, it's it has nothing to do with, with whether you're, you know, highly educated or whether you have a prestigious position. I mean, everybody, whether it's Madoff or whether it's Wall Street, I mean, there's, it, I wouldn't say that they're, they're both on an equal playing field as far as, you know, deception is concerned, but they're very, very similar. And, and in the end, you know, what are, I, I have sometimes step back and ask people just, what do you, what do you want? Like, what, why are you investing? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I think that's, those are good questions to start with because most people in the end, they're just following status quo. They're following what everybody else is doing, which is, you know, feeding, feeding the machine and staying in the matrix. So. Yeah, yeah. The, do you want the red pill or the green pill? Do you want you know? the red or the blue yeah, pill? Yeah, or the blue, sorry. And, uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, we're all sheeple to some extent. We all follow uh, the followers sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, you know, look, my message is get control of your financial future. Stop relinquishing it to somebody else. Um, not only is income property the most historically proven asset class in the world, it is almost also the most tax-favored asset class in the United States and tax Taxes are the single largest expense any of us have. So you better learn how to save on taxes because if you can retain, uh, you know, up to 40 or even 45 percent of your money that you would normally give the government every year, I mean, you can grow wealth a lot faster if you can reinvest that money. So uh, that's very important. It is, it's, it's the proven asset class. Uh, we love helping people do it. I've made a, a small fortune doing it myself for my own account, and uh, you know I've I've helped many many clients do it. It's not perfect. It's just better than everything else. <laughs> that's all I can claim. Well, and, there's nothing. Uh, that's per there's nothing that's perfect. Nothing Even a bank perfect. account's not perfect. No. But in the end, like you said, it's one of your it's one of your commandments, which is which is control. Once things start to go sideways, it's what do you do in those moments? And if you can't do anything, then you're you're probably not in the right 
vehicle. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, sometime in the future, uh, I'll uh, I'll tell your listeners about inflation-induced debt destruction. But if they check out my podcast, The Creating Wealth Show, it's uh, just look up my name, Jason Hartman. Type Jason Hartman in the iTunes Store, Stitcher Radio, or or you know whatever. Uh, you can go to jasonhartman.com and get it there as well. And um, you know, just the, don't pay a lot for your education. You can learn all of this information is out there, and it's almost free. I mean. You know, maybe you want to go to some live events and pay a little bit, but it's largely free, okay? And uh, we have listeners on uh, my show from 164 countries worldwide and uh, people buying U.S. real estate in diverse markets around the U.S. that we vet and recommend from, uh, from all over the world. And, uh, you know, mostly U.S. people, but certainly all over the world, too. And uh, it's, um, it's a great asset class. So, uh, so thanks for letting me talk to your listeners about it, Pat. No, we need to have, we need to have you on again because we could, we could spend quite a while talking about different, different things. But, but, no, I appreciate you really introducing yourself, Jason. And I really appreciate the, the show that you put on. And I think once listeners start to, to see some of, the, some of the quality of people you have on there, uh, they'll know why you know, why you know, me feeling honored to have you on here today uh, is, is the case. But, but anyway, really appreciate your time, Jason. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Well, and uh, we'll have to have you on again. Well, the pleasure is all mine. And uh, thank you for having me on, Pat. And uh, happy investing to you and your listeners. Okay. Thanks, Jason. Wow, that was that was an awesome that was such an awesome interview. That was one of my more more favorite uh, favorite interviews, uh, just because of the the way in which we think and uh, you know o- oftentimes when you uh, when you're doing podcasts, there are some that don't necessarily have the the same opinions as yours and uh, and have different topics that you're not necessarily f- uh, familiar with or as versed in and can't have a really you know high high level conversation, but. Uh, as you were able to tell, you know, J- Jason, and I think think a lot alike, and uh, it was awesome to be able to to ask him some questions and just look at his you know perspective and opinion based on his vast experience in real estate, uh, with just the economy and with finances and Wall Street and and so forth. Uh, but it was awesome to have him on. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, that interview. So you can go check Jason out. Uh, his uh, I think I think his website's Jason. We'll put some links in the show notes, but uh, his website's JasonHartman.com, and uh, on there has a lot of information about him and also the Creating Wealth podcast. And I believe his his main podcast page where you can go to all the different uh, podcasts that he has is Hartman, hartmanmedia.com. But double check in the show notes. We'll make sure that we uh, we put it on there. All right, everyone, that's uh, that's going to be it. Thank you so much for uh, for for listening uh, listening today. If uh, uh, like I said before the the uh, interview aired, if you like what you hear, definitely go into our website, check out more of the resources and content that we uh, that we have, and uh, and let us know what you think. Uh, but also, if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, definitely get on there because we have some really cool and exciting things that are going to launch the first part of uh, 2016. So you're not going to want to miss want to miss that. All right. That's, uh, that's it for me today. Again, have a very safe and happy holidays and, uh, we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the wealth standard radio show, your gold standard in everything financial.